Exodus chapter number 17. I believe I have the lapel on now. Exodus chapter number 17 is where we're going to be here tonight. Once again, I myself am very thankful uh, for having the opportunity to go. Um, let me just give a little bit of a testimony myself um, and at the camp, but this was actually my very first time myself to a Christian camp. Um, <clears throat> I was growing up, some of you who know my uh, testimony, I didn't grow up, I mean, I grew up in church some, um, but I, I wasn't very involved in these kinds of things. Um, and I didn't even know there are such things as Christian camps until I went uh, to West Coast Baptist College and they started talking about places like the wilds. And I'm thinking, what, what's the wilds? Um, but I didn't really know these uh, places myself. And so this was my first opportunity to go. And I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I was thankful uh, that God allowed me to go on this trip with these teens. It was an honor and it was a, it was a joy. And there are so many uh, activities there, a fun time uh, that we had there. And I'm just thankful for the, the preacher, Brother Ed Loney. Uh, they gave us a booklet of just um, uh, memorization verses, songs in the back, and then they also gave in that booklet just some pages to take notes. And uh, the notes that I took were just like every single page was filled and I'm writing on the edges and there was just so much meat um, during this week. And I'm just thankful how God spoke to me in my heart. And the message that is on my heart is heavy. I'm just going to let you know that right now. And I'm, gonna, I'm already getting emotional. I'm trying not to think about it, um, but I'm going to do my best to just lay, uh, uh, tell you what God has laid in my heart. And I'm going to do it in a different way, just more of a devotion type uh, than a word of preaching. I just want to share with you what God laid on my heart. And so let's go and get started with that. It's in Exodus chapter number 17. Exodus chapter number 17. And we're going to start reading verse number 8. Exodus chapter number 17, verse number 8. If you're there, say amen. 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 All right. This is what the Bible says. It says in verse 8, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. And Moses said unto Joshua, Choose us out, men, and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses had said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. And it came to pass when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy. And they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat thereon. And Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side and the other on the other side. And his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. And the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. For I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar, and called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. For he said, Because the Lord hath sworn that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Let's pray one last time here. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to be here tonight. I thank you for the safety. Thank you so much once again for Dave Smith and Mr. Charlie Brown driving those buses, and we're back here safely, and I have the opportunity just to uh, preach your word here tonight again. And I'm thankful for this week, Lord. 
it gets me emotional thinking about the, the decisions that these teenagers made. And I'm, I'm thankful for that, Lord, but it also <clears throat> puts me on edge because, Lord, I know there's a target on their back. That the devil just wants to sift them like wheat, like, he, you, like the devil told you, Lord, and he told Peter. The, the devil desires to have them. The devil desires just to take them off and, and, and make sure they don't keep the decisions that they made. And Lord, I just pray that as a church together with the unity, that we would be able to just pray for these teenagers that are in the heat of the battle and that you would use them for your glory and that you would use us for your glory as well and that this would be a joint effort and we'll give you glory for that. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, before this passage here, um, giving context, is we know about Israel and a lot of us know the enslavement they had at Israel, uh, Israel had in Egypt, and uh, God had used Moses um, to go to Pharaoh and say, Thus saith the Lord, let my people go. And we know the, the plagues that God had sent, and we know that it was the last plague, the death of the firstborn, that was the one that did Pharaoh over and allowed Pharaoh to let Israel finally go. And it was an awesome moment. I mean, can you imagine for over 400 years, the Israelites in this place enslaved in Egypt, which represents the world and sin, was saved from the sin, were brought out out of Egypt. And you know, on their way out, that Pharaoh's heart was hardened even more, and he decided to get his chariots and people to go chase. And we know that God opened up the sea there for Moses and the Israelites to pass through, and he closed it up and shut it up and destroyed the Egyptians. And a lot of the Israelites had seen God do a mighty work. And then, of course, they were brought to the wilderness. <laughs> and, of course, right after a great victory, you see Israelites fall. Of course, you see them complaining in the wilderness. We need some food. We're thirsty, God. You, and they're upset at Moses. And the Bible says they're chiding. And they're telling Moses, did God just bring us out of here just to die from starvation and thirst? I mean, we might as well just go back to Egypt. Because we had it better there than we have it now. And just a couple of verses earlier than this, the Bible says here, if you look with me, at, uh, look at Exodus chapter number 17, and look with me at verse number 6. It says, Behold, same chapter, Exodus chapter 17, verse 6, it says, Behold, I will stand before thee there upon the rock in Horeb, and that shall smite the rock, and there shall come water out of it, that the people may drink. And Moses did so, in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the chiding of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord, saying, Is the Lord among us or not? And so the Israelites saw God do some mighty works for them. However, just around the corner were awaiting conflicts that they did not yet know of. We just heard the testimony of these teens and some of the decisions that they made. And just like the Israelites, teenagers, you experienced God working this last week. And you experienced Him work in your heart. And you experienced maybe even revival. And God worked, and these teens drank, if you would, just with this symbolism and, and illustration here. Just like how the Israelites drank, and they were thirsty, and they drank from the rock at Horeb here, the Bible says. The teens drank from the rock at Horeb there at camp, and they were refreshed from the desert their heart was in. Unfortunately, though, teenagers, right around the corner awaits an enemy. I want you to notice with me in verse number 8, the very first three words that the Bible says, After the Israelites thirsted 
and after the Israelites got their fill, the, the, the water was flowing out of the rock, and they got their fill of water, and their thirst was quenched there. The Bible says, then came Amalek. That's what it says. As soon as they were refreshed, then came Amalek. And the Bible says, and fought with them. Brought opposition, resistance already, right after the moment they were refreshed. Israel had just seen God work and perform a mighty miracle in their midst. Like I just said, they just saw water flowing and they drank water from a rock. And in their wilderness, they felt refreshed and ready to go. But unfortunately, then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. And teenagers, once again, many of you experience God do something in your heart. But right around the corner awaits Amalek. Right after your refreshment, right after you are filled with the word of God, here comes Amalek, right around the corner, enemy that is going to fight with you and try to prevent you, teens, from keeping those commitments that you made to God. Now, very briefly, as we look at this passage, I want you to notice with me just four different characters here, okay? So if you're taking notes, there's four different characters, and I know there's more that we can probably bring in, but there's four that, as I'm studying this, that God spoke to me about that I just want you to notice. And number one, I want you to notice the enemy, Number one, I want you to notice the enemy, and then we're going to change this over to you and I. But the enemy, who is the Amalekites here, the Amalekites were descendants of Esau, according to the Bible. They were a desert band who probably were just stalking Israel through the wilderness and waiting for the right moment to strike them. And throughout Scripture, the Amalekites are known as a recurrent enemy of Israel. In other words, they'd always pop their head up like a mole out of the ground. And this was the first time Israel had done nothing to the Amalekites, But after Israel was led out of the wilderness, after they were refreshed, the Bible says the Amalekites came and they started a war with Israel. And they became, honestly, a lifelong enemy of the Israelites. For hundreds of years, if you study this out, for hundreds of years, the Amalekites had now become an enemy of Israel. And they would keep popping their heads up and bothering Israel and just being a nuisance to them. For hundreds of years, they became Israel's enemies, and they would always be causing strife and problem, problems for Israel. So number one, think about that. The enemy is we have the Amalekites, and then number two, we have the general, or Joshua. Joshua, this is the first mention, actually, of his name. And we know that Joshua is going to be the next leader for Israel after Moses passes away, that he's going to take the baton, and he's going to go forth with the word of God. And that's why God tells Moses, rehearse this in the ears of Joshua, because he's the next generation. Moses, you're not going to be around forever, but Joshua's going to take your place. And I want this to be a memorial for him, because he's going to have some tough times, too. But I want you to make this a memorial and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua. And remind him, Amalek is not out yet, but I will destroy them from under the heaven. But for that generation, let him know, rehearse as a memorial for what I did for you guys. And Joshua was probably around his, his early 20s. He was a youth, but he was considered to be the general. Number three, I want you to see, not only do you see number one, the enemy, number two, the general. Number three, I want you to see the intercessor. The intercessor, one who steps on behalf of Israel and for Joseph, and that's Moses. Moses begins praying on behalf of Joshua and the Israelites. You see, Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the hill while Joshua and probably the younger men were fighting in the heat of the battle, in the physical part, the most physical part, in the heat of the battle. But Moses didn't just leave them to themselves. The Bible says that Moses went up the hill 
And he made petition for the Israelites and for Joshua on behalf of them. He went to God on behalf for that younger generation. And when his hands were raised, the Bible says that when Moses' hands were raised, Israel was winning the war with the Amalekites. But then the Bible says that when Moses let down his hands, Israel begins to lose. But Moses is considered to be the intercessor. And lastly, number four, what I want you to see are the helpers. So number one, you see the enemy, the Amalekites. Number two, the general, Joshua. Number three, the intercessor, Moses. And number four, I want you to see the helpers, Aaron and Hur. And these two aided Moses. They helped Moses in keeping his weary arms heavenward so that God could give the victory below. So the helpers is the people who came alongside Moses to make sure that his hands were, the Bible says, stayed steady. And that as long as his hands were up, Israel would prevail. And so we see those four characters. You got the enemy, the Amalekites. Uh, you got the general, Joshua. You got the intercessor, Moses. And then you got the helpers who are Aaron and Hur. That, that's who we see here in the Bible. And just for the last few moments here, all I want to do is I want to switch this around and I want to put every one of us in their shoes now and see which one are we. Definitely, hopefully not the enemy. Right? I hope, church, that none of us are going to be hindering any of these teenagers from keeping those decisions. I hope none of us are going to be preventing them or creating conflict with these teenagers. But I hope and I pray, in fact, that we'll be helping them to make these decisions. But when, it, when I think about this passage and I think about these characters and I was studying, this is just what God laid in my heart that I want to share with you. And number one, when I think about the enemy, I think about the devil. Teenagers, look around at each other and look around at this church and me. None of us here in this building are your enemy. You only have one enemy, and that's the devil. One enemy, and that's the devil. Teenagers, when you were born again, when you decided to make a stand for Jesus Christ, just like how the Israelites were making their stand and getting out of the wilderness, they developed a lifelong enemy. And I'm telling you right now, teenagers, you have a lifelong enemy. His name is the devil. Lifelong. You can be 100 years old, and he's still going to be your enemy. He's lifelong. And it's since the moment you were born again, since the moment, moment you decided to become a friend of God and an enemy of the devil, you are a lifelong enemy of the devil. Just like how the Amalekites were a lifelong enemy of Israel, the devil is your lifelong enemy. You know, in Romans 7.21, as I was studying this out, Paul finds a principle. A principle. He says, I find then a law. He says, every time that I want to do good, evil, is present with me. That's a principle. Every time I step up, teenagers, and I make a commitment, and I want to do something for the Lord, guess who's there? My lifelong enemy, the devil. And every time every one of you and every one of us want to do good, we have the devil who puts his foot in, who, who put his foot in, and he decides to be our enemy, and he decides to sift us like wheat, and he, des he desires to have us and he is our lifelong enemy. And teenagers, mark it down. The devil is going to try to get you to stumble from every decision you made at camp this week. Everyone. He does not back down. And by the way, if he gets you to fall, he's going to kick you while you're down. Because that's the enemy for you. He has a target on your back, and you developed an enemy. Just like the Amalekites were a lifelong enemy for hundreds of years, the devil is going to be your enemy for hundreds of years, and he's going to try to get you to stumble, and he's going to have a target on your back. And that leads me to the next people. you got the enemy, the devil, and then you have the general, 
which are I consider to be in this one that God put on my heart, the teenagers who are in the midst of the battle. And I'll share with you why. But teenagers, you're in a war. You and I are in a spiritual warfare. You, are, you and I are in a battle. And there's a spiritual warfare going on around us. And like I told you before, a lot of you made decisions. A lot of you made commitments. And you want to go forth in this battle and you want to keep them. And you are the next generation, just like how Joshua was the next generation. After Moses came up Joshua. And Joshua was being trained. And when I thought about Joshua, I thought about the teenagers just being in the heat of the battle. And then number three, church, we are the intercessor. We are the intercessor. Intercessor. You and I are the ones who are praying on behalf of these teenagers that God will give them the victory. We cannot quit for these teens, church. And I know I can say it best myself, just like anybody can, but it's wearisome, isn't it? Being a Christian and being in the ministry is tiring, isn't it? It's not easy to do it on your own. It's wearisome, but it's a battle. It's a different kind of battle than the teenagers have, but we must be praying for these teenagers. The moment we let up is the moment they start losing this battle, and they need our prayers. And I just started thinking about this, and I, th I thought about the teenagers being in the heat of the battle, and many of them who made decisions, and now I start considering who's up on the hill praying for them? Who's up raising their hands praying for them? I can be praying for them, but my hands are going to get weary at one point. When my hands get let down, is there anybody else who's going to be praying for these teenagers? Is there anybody else who's going to be helping the work in this for the teenagers? Because it just burdened my heart, church, that the moment we get tired and the moment we let our hands down, we lose them all. Think about that. And this is where I get emotional because this is my responsibility that God has given to me and to my wife and to our workers. We cannot lose this generation. We cannot quit. We cannot give up. It's tiring. There's a lot that is going on. But we cannot let our hands down because the moment that we let these praying hands down, we lose them all. They're in the heat of the battle and they need the church. They need you and I. They need intercessory prayer on their behalf in the heat of this battle. And we need to do this as a joint effort, just like how Moses. If you, can, if you can picture with me this last group here, we have the helpers. And that's each other. That's the church, but that's each other. We help encourage each other to keep going on for the Lord. We help each other keep our hands raised for these teens in the battle. Remember Ecclesiastes where the Bible says that two is better than one? Because if one falls, woe unto him. Who's going to help him up? Can you imagine if Moses went up on that hill all by himself? The Bible says his hands got heavy and they started going down. And according to the Bible, they would have lost the war. But thank God for the help. Thank God for Aaron and her who came beside Moses and helped, the Bible says, steady his hands. Church, this is a joint effort, and we need to be helping each other pray. But when one hand falls, another needs to be raised up. But we cannot let down these hands on behalf of these teenagers in the heat of their battle. And they may not even know everything that I'm talking about right now. They might, even, might not even know the things that they're going to be challenged with. But if you all remember Brother Edloni's message that Mrs. Sopchak brought up, there will come a day, teenagers, where your faith will be tested. 
And I'm praying, and I hope that church, we pray together that we keep our hands raised on behalf of these teenagers. And we do it together. We cannot do it alone. Israel would have lost if Moses was all by his, by him lo, by his lonesome. Thank God he had companions willing to help him. And the Bible says, two is better than one. If one falls, who's there to lift him up? How can one be warm alone? And the Bible says a threefold cord cannot be quickly broken. And you had three up there on that hill. There were three on the mountain, each one helping one another fulfill the will of God. That's it. It's just that simple. But it's a responsibility, church, that we have. And I think about these teenagers once again, and every decision they made that you all heard, they're going to be confronted with challenges. They're going to be confronted with trials and, and tests that is going to be put in their life. And church, I'm going to be asking you to pray with me to keep our hands up. Because one of the things I love is that the Bible says that Moses' hands after the help was steady. He became faithful in what he was doing, in other words. Faithful to nonstop being praying for these teens. But don't ever let up, church. I know it's tiring. I know there's a lot of things that we need to do. But consider these teenagers as Moses did. He had a lot of weight on his shoulders. As soon as Moses let his hands down, the people down there lost the battle. He would have been fine, but what about them? We have to keep these teenagers in our prayer. We have to keep encouraging them. We have to find opportunities to lift them up. We cannot let them out of our prayers. Church, that's all I'm asking to you tonight, and that's really all I shared. I didn't want to go anymore. I just wanted to share what God had in my heart, and that's what it is. So let's bow our head for prayer.